we try to imagine preferred futures that are net positive. We generally don't focus on dystopian or negative futures. That's not the future you want to have as your North Star. You know, we think that you have a much better chance of creating a future that you want if it's positive, uplifting and inspiring for everyone. You're listening to Cross Pollination. We're here to find out how to combine different fields, knowledge and talents to create something new. We're a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. If you pictured starships and futuristic intergalactic battles when you heard those classic sci-fi sounds, you're starting to get in tune with the theme of this week's episode. Shh! Alien, we're introducing the guest! This week, Cross Pollination talks to Ari Popper, the CEO and founder of SciFutures, a company that works with large international clients to imagine and develop future products and services and how they can be used. They use science fiction prototyping to do it. Ari and SciFutures story is about innovation, science, and tech, taking risks and unconventional careers. It's also about creativity, creative interests that lead to unexpected ventures, and the power of vision, storytelling, and imagination to create a positive future. Okay, what did you want to say? Sci-futures? I'm pretty sure they're about innovation and business. No aliens or space opera. As a kid, there was nothing more pleasurable for me than immersing myself in a uh, in a great science fiction novel. You know, just typical like geeky teenager. You know, getting totally lost in in the world of Asimov and um, you know, Greg Bear and and not just not just reading, but also you know the classic science fiction films of the eighties, like um, Star Wars, you know, seventies and eighties, and you know Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica. And um, so I was always a massive fan of the of the genre. I was president of a innovative market research company, and we were looking. Uh, trying to understand how consumers responded to new product ideas, innovation. So I always had an interest in innovation and strategy um, and always had, a, actually more importantly, I think had a background in consulting and, and client service. Um, so I was trying to marry the two and figure out how I could uh, marry my love of science, sci-fi with um with uh, consulting and, you know, seem, seem to be able to figure out that delicate balance with, with SciFutures. So from an interest in sci-fi and all the imaginative worlds and technologies on screen and on the page, Ari transformed that interest as an adult into a vision for how sci-fi could help with innovation through the company he founded, SciFutures. In so doing, he demonstrated something we've heard about from a lot of guests on this show how cultivating your personal creativity in one area can lead to things you absolutely didn't anticipate somewhere else. So I'm, I'm the founder and CEO of SciFutures, been leading this wonderful little company uh, since 2012. Um, and the idea for SciFutures came to me in between um, when I was looking for my next kind of job and career move I didn't want to continue doing what I was doing I was looking for a change so I didn't know what to do but I just started writing science fiction um, you know as a hobby and I went to UCLA and I did a, a course there uh, actually a couple of times and 
one day during the course I had this idea that, wow, science fiction is a really good tool for innovation and for business. I wonder if I could, you know, start an agency that specialised in science fiction as a tool. And um, so I set up So Futures and, yeah, I've been doing that um, ever since. What makes science fiction a particularly good tool for innovation? Science fiction allows us to speculate using maybe more futuristic technologies. Um, uh, you know, and there's, depending on your understanding of the genre, you know, there's a, a massive kind of striation in terms of the varieties of science fiction where you have, you know, such things as hard science fiction, which is trying to be very strict to what's plausible, feasible, you know, based in today's science to diamond hard science fiction, <laughs> which is even even stricter, um, and to very loose science fiction, which is, you know, as long as it's science-y enough, um, it kind of it kind of holds. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of the old Star Trek um, stories were written. Um, and literally, they in the scripts they would write write the script, and then they would um, leave a little placeholder, and it would say in that placeholder, insert the sciencey thing here, you know, and kind of continue. Um, but yeah, it definitely gives us, more importantly, the opportunity to speculate, and that's that's the power of the genre, that kind of speculative function that it has. SciFutures cross-pollinates many areas, including market research, consulting, science fiction, tech, and storytelling. And it turns out that creative speculation can help companies imagine further and in different ways than they might be able to, say, five to ten years down the line, where more conventional tools like business analytics or scenario planning can't reach with accuracy or enough creativity to think about what could be. SciFutures helps companies imagine using human stories that step around the kinds of objections that proposed innovations often encounter. Things like, no, that won't work. That's not how we do things. That's too wild. Through a forward-looking storytelling format anchored in present-day realities. Then companies can think about what and how they should create a product or service. The format leaves room for new things that could be quite different to what currently exists. Although five years really isn't that far away. And it integrates customers and consumers into the vision. You know, every day I'm still amazed that we get um, large Fortune 500 companies coming to us and saying, "What do you do? So interesting. We want to we want to figure out a way to work together." I'm still still pinch myself. Honestly, I mean that. Um, but essentially, the job that we do, the value add that we bring to our clients, is we have a real specialty in making the future, and typically five to ten years making those five, that five to ten year period approachable, understandable, visceral, and meaningful. And that's what stories do. They draw us into their worlds. They enable us to connect with real people, with real human dramas. And they render futures that um, suspend disbelief. They render futures that allow us to reduce the barriers to our everyday objections, what we think would be normal or um, feasible. Um, so, so our specialty is really um, bringing that five to ten year period to life, grounded in the science facts, the emerging technologies, the trends, um, the kind of weak signals that are shaping our future. Um, that all is really important foundational content 
Um, and then we couple that with the visionary imagination of science fiction writers. And when you mash the two up, you get some really interesting narratives about our clients, their customers, their consumers, and where the world could be or where the world should be, frankly, um, is, is really what we like to do. So, for example, you might have a number of different scenarios around the future of mobility, speculating about um, you know, autonomous driving and the likely impacts. And with typical scenario planning, you might have um, different levers of change where one is you know, slow adoption, minor disruption, and um, you might have the other levers, which is you know, incredibly high adoption and, and major disruption. And then you might have all the factors that contribute to both of those and all the likely contingencies that each of those would produce for the company. But for us, what we would do is, is then take those different um, scenarios and different levers and then try and um, interpret that content into real stories about real people living in a real lives, but grounded in those different assumptions that each of those scenarios would have. SciFuture's work has a relative in designed fiction, which other designers use in developing products and services for the future through fiction, often working backwards to tease out the decisions and assumptions made to get there. IDEO, the well-known design thinking firm, has used this method, drawing on business strategy expert Roger Martin and colleague Jennifer Riel's key question, what has to be true to make this future a reality? It's design thinking that exists in the space where, as Martin and Riel put it, analytical knowledge, market information, and so on, can overlap with pure, intuitive, creative knowledge. While it's important to be speculative and it's important to be provocative, um, what you can't be is too fantastical or too outrageous. And or if you're not informed or you're uninformed or misinformed, then the quality of those narratives aren't going to be as good. Um, ultimately, it's anyone's guess really what the future is going to be. Um, I'm not a huge proponent of scenario planning. I think that it gives you a false sense of security and it's too, I feel it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an analytical exercise that ultimately isn't um, useful, I don't think, if you have five or six different scenarios. Um, how, does, how do you even work with that content? How do you even figure out what to do in the present moment? Um, ultimately, what we're trying to do is help manifest and render preferred future stories that are really fact-based in a way that inspires change. Um, and we're not talking about change in five to ten years. We're talking about change today. So you're getting most in these futures, and you want to build them. You want to create them. You know, I think there's a famous saying. Um, you know, I think it was it was Peter Drucker, but one of the one of those management consultant gurus. He said the best way to predict the future is to credit yourself. Um, and that is that is definitely the philosophy that we that we employ at our futures. So Sly Futures uses science fiction stories to develop a vision for the future that can act as a guide, specifically ideas for the future that lead to more positive outcomes rather than negative ones. It's the idea that if we can't imagine something, we can't invent it. If we can imagine it, then we've taken a powerful step toward making that future a possibility. But getting back to the nuts and bolts, how does it actually work when Sly Futures works with a client? When they have a brief that provides the background and defines the project? How do they work with the IP, the intellectual property, and get the writers involved? And how does the story come back to the client? Usually there's a three-stage um, process. Um, the first stage is 
um, just making sure we understand our client and their business and that we're fully grounded in the work that they've already done. Um, the second stage is what we call co-creation workshop where we'll literally work with our client to um, get immersed in their content as well as any other provocative content about the future around a specific topic area. And then um, what we'll do coming out of the workshop is we'll actually use the workshop to help shape the writer's brief. So the workshop will generate a number of different opportunity areas, a number of different um, interesting IP and content areas for our writers to explore around a specific objective for the client. Um, and sometimes there might be multiple briefs. Um, you know, there could be three or four different briefs, frankly. But um, what we'll then do, yes, is, is write a brief um, or a number of briefs for specific topic areas. We will use the brief as an opportunity to give our riders, we have over 280 riders uh, and growing every day around the globe, um, the opportunity to, um, well, I would say we, we try and brief them so that they have enough information to provoke and spark their imagination, but we don't manage them or brief them to an inch of their lives where, you know, we're basically shutting down all their imagination and creativity. So writing a good brief is really a challenge because you've got to have the right amount of content, but you've also got to allow them to do their thing, which is be imaginative and tell a good story. Um, but yeah, that's exactly how it works. So after the workshop, we'll brief the writers. Usually we get about 40 writers to contribute at any one project. Um, you know, we've we've had as few as ten, and we've had as many as fifty or sixty. But forty is a good number, and we'll, we might get back forty stories or thirty-eight, thirty-five, thirty-six stories, depending on quality of them. Um, and then what the really fun part works, where we'll actually analyze those stories. So we'll literally um, read them all and try and develop a framework identify the themes that came out of the stories, the new IP and inventions that came out of the stories. And we'll then use that to generate opportunity areas. Um, and we convert that into a really nice report um, for our clients. Um, so that's, I would say, all the kind of strategic work that's done. Once the client signs off and agrees on the opportunity areas and the narratives and the IP, um, we then can convert that content into high fidelity storytelling. And that could take the shape of um, a video or a film, short film, short video, um, you know, more high fidelity um, concept work, artwork, um, graphic novels, done work in VR, um, or even an actual like physical space that we build. So this idea of experiential futures where you actually build up you know, living room of the future and bring it to life in a way that tells a story. Um, that's really powerful work. We, we do quite a bit of that as well. This episode is about creativity. Creative minds need creative banking. That's why ATB created the Branch for Arts and Culture, a branch that understands artists don't live by the rules or standard pay schedules. So you can be creative and not have to worry about your checking account. It's a creative space for creative types. And just one more way, ATB will always be more than a bank. So there's a lot of different ways and formats to tell a story. SciFutures has worked with a wide range of clients in a variety of industries. Starting with the Lowe's Hollow Room, here's some examples of how that's looked. 
Yeah, um, there were for lows really early on in the days of augmented reality and VR. Um, some really groundbreaking work for them. Uh, we've done work for Visa, uh, where we brought to life the future of payments um, and actually built out an innovation lab where each room, each space in their lab reflected a different aspect of payments. So we had a, a car, what, what payments could look like in a car. We literally had a Ford Mustang that we sort of sort up in half and put in there. We had a living room of the future um, looking at what an Airbnb of the future could look like with respect to payments. Um, we had a very early version of an Amazon Go store where you can just go in, take your stuff off the shelf and walk out. Everything gets paid for automatically, uh, etc. Um, yeah, those were two case studies. We did some wonderful work for NATO. That's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. <laughs> um, looking at the future of warfare. Um, for them, we did a 10-story anthology. I think actually it was marked 12 stories. Uh, short stories with illustrations and kind of like a Q&A book club provocations. That was really successful. We've done graphic novels for Ford Motor Company, um, for Hershey's, for Coca-Cola. Yeah, so there's quite a wide range of creative um, deliverable options. Uh, one of the things we did recently, which is a huge success, was we wrote a magazine edition from the future, 10 years in the future. And the entire edition was dedicated to a uh, strategic opportunity area for our client. Uh, it was a really cool medium because the magazine gives you the opportunity to have literally fiction, so stories, but also um, you could put in articles of interest, you could do future ads, you could do illustrations and um, visualizations, um, speculative visualizations and illustrations. That's a really cool um, deliverable as well. Um, we do audio stories as well, almost like podcast stories. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to, to storytell. Um, and depending on our clients, who their audience is and what their budgets are and objectives, you know, we have a lot of different tools we can use. Every medium has pros and cons, so we think hard about, you know, what what would work given who our clients' audiences are and how scalable it needs to be and what the content is as well. Pretty cool, right? Immersive storytelling through tech, physical media, audio, video, magazines, graphic novels. Think you have what it takes to be a science future science fiction writer? Here's the background you'll need to have. <laughs> I don't know if interplanetary experience is quite what they're looking for. I think most people who write science fiction are generally interested in science or technology. Um, a lot of our writers do have scientific backgrounds. But, but actually some don't, some are more on the social sciences um, or philosophers, you know, and some are academics in a specific field that is a necessary science or engineering or technology. But I would say that most of our writers are, you know, comfortable with technology or technical in some, in some respect. In our work, um, in particular, to know the right people is as valuable as knowing the topic areas as well, right? So, oh, you want an AI expert, you need to talk to so-and-so. You want a robotics expert, you want a VR. And I think that's, that's really, really powerful for our clients. Science fiction is popularly well-known for a few things. One are all the technologies that writers and movie makers have created fictionally that have actually come to exist, like virtual reality, tablets, holograms. Another is imagining societies that look entirely different to what exists now. 
Star Trek, for example, is widely credited with showing U.S. TV's first interracial kiss in 1968, and in doing so it alluded to a future where this wasn't a big deal, which was generally not the case in U.S. society at the time. Given that SciFuture's work is about products and services, sci-fi cultures are less common in its work, but are, he says, hardly unimportant. He imagines, for example, a future that involves a different world for food and animal rights. I wish we did more of that, because I personally think that that's the work that's really culturally relevant for us today in the world that we live in, is really looking at societal impact, you know, beyond just human psychology, but really into the, into the sociology of, of teams and groups and cultures. Um, it's not as huge a part of our work as I would like it to be, mostly because the, the work that we do is really geared towards, I would say, helping our clients with you know new businesses, products, and services, um, either for consumers or B2B. Um, and it's usually in a five to ten year time frame. But I personally have a very passionate interest in sociology and kind of group storytelling, particularly you know cultural narratives um, that and mythology that kind of determine what the cultural norms are and where we are as a culture and where we're going is really fascinating. Um, some of the work that we are trying to do relate to that, particularly around the ethics of emerging technologies. So what does it mean when these powerful disruptive emerging technologies like AI are prevalent? Um, what does it mean for our society? What does it mean for us as a species? Um, those are the types of stories I wish we were telling more of. Also, um, particularly interest of mine is I'm a vegan, so I have a lot of interest in the future of food and particularly animal rights. Um, and that is very much a cultural story, um, a, a societal story. Um, and, you know, one of the major passion areas for me is to really reimagine what the future of food could look like without um, in a, you know, in a compassionate world where, where animal welfare is is really prevalent, um, and, and that sort of storytelling ties exactly into the questions you're you're asking. So yeah, I wish I wish we did more of it, but um, huge huge believer in it, and I think it's so so important, particularly today in the world that we live in. SciFuture's work also touches on AI, artificial intelligence, which is increasingly everywhere, increasingly sophisticated, and embedded in nearly every industry. In episode 20, Ron Teal talked to us about Xpan Interactive's work in harnessing AI in corporate e-learning. Ari talks here about how a positive use of AI could look in our future generally. As a committed optimist, he believes strongly in the power of humans to create a future that improves on our present. Well, I, well, I think that, that there'll definitely be a continued um, evolution of this kind of symbiotic co-evolving relationship between humans and technology. Kevin Kelly, the founder of Wired Magazine, famously said that, you know, AI is going to be like electricity. It's going to be cheap, on demand, and everywhere, kind of ubiquitous. Um, and I think that's true. And when that happens, you know, we'll have information at our fingertips, which we do already, but we'll have intelligence at our fingertips that anyone and everyone can use. So that does change um, fundamentally kind of the capabilities that we have as humans and how we interact with each other. Um, ultimately, will it um, result in a, in a happier, more fulfilled, um, I would say, um, more 
connected species. Um, I think that still remains to be seen. Um, what I do know is that um, the kind of paradigms that we're living in today um, is resulting, we're starting to see a lot of the downsides of technology. And interesting, a lot of our clients are coming to us really trying to understand what it will mean to connect with each other in the future, you know, to meaningfully connect. Um, what is the nature of our humanity? What is sacred and what, what do we need to preserve? Um, it's fascinating work. Um, you know, I think the jury's out whether um, this is going to result in, you know, complete fragmentation and breakdown, um, you know, and kind of, let's say, step backwards in terms of what it means to be human. Um, I still have a lot of faith in humanity, and I think that ultimately my personal feeling, my hope is that um, we're going to come out of this you know, optimized and using the best of technology, but not at the expense of our humanity. Ultimately, it's not a sure thing. I think there's definitely some very scary and, you know, very kind of profound ethical issues that we need to address um, related to the integration of humans and technology, um, particularly looking at, at um, you know, kind of an AI arms race, but also, um the kind of income disparities that we're seeing in our world today and um, kind of there, there is a, a real danger of a, of a radical caste system that could evolve. Um, but, you know, with every kind of swing of the pendulum, it does swing back and there's always a counterculture or a counter-revolution. Starting to see a little backlash now around that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we live, I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the approach that we try to take as futurists and in our work with our clients is we try to imagine preferred futures that are net positive, not just for our clients, but for our key stakeholders. Um, we generally don't focus on dystopian or negative futures. Ultimately, they're interesting, um, but that's not the future you want to have as your North Star. Um, you know, we think that you have a much better chance of creating a future that you want if it's positive, uplifting and inspiring for everyone. Um, yeah, so I think um, regardless how, how you look at it and your philosophy, um, I think I have a lot of faith in human beings and a lot of optimism in um, our species and our capabilities. But, um, you know, we, we do live in really interesting times. I think what science fiction can do is allow us to really play with the future and, you know, another famous quote, rehearse the future, um, kind of, discover the unintended consequences of um, certain technologies and behaviors um, before they actually happen. All of that is super useful. And um, yeah, it's um, really fun. Some nights I go to bed really excited and hopeful and some nights I go to bed absolutely terrified. <laughs> but uh, it's just the nature of the business. Along with further integration of AI and dependence on technology, Ari also sees a trend in drawing on different fields for innovation. I asked him, as someone whose own company does exactly that, for his thoughts on the value of cross-pollination and how it's useful in innovation. You know, if you absolutely don't want to have disruptive innovation in your industry, bring in an industry expert from your industry. They will, you will not do anything radical, unique or different. They will tell you how it should be, how it's always been done, um, because that's what they're trying to do. That's how they think about the world. If you absolutely want to have breakthrough innovation, don't bring an industry expert in your industry, bring in somebody from outside. Um, 
And that's because they have learned to solve problems and they've been successful in their field and been creative in their field, applying um, you know, critical thinking and their expertise. And that same set of skills applied to a different industry leads to tremendous breakthroughs. So I think it's genius. Um, and that's essentially you know, similar to what we do, where these software writers that we work with generally are you know, well-educated, you know, technical as we were talking about, um, you know, creative thinkers, um, and, you know, they can tackle these briefs and just bring a really fresh perspective to, to our clients' businesses. Since I am a generalist, I, you know, I know enough about everything to be very dangerous rather than a lot about, some, you know, one individual thing. So I think I've always kind of been that way my whole life, just a general curiosity about lots of different things. Um, but um, I think that sort of skill set will be in greater demand, um, you know, as the world becomes more and more fragmented and as um, people will have to specialize more and more in certain areas to become deeper and deeper experts. Um, I think having people who are able to connect the dots across categories, industries, verticals, um, just to know enough to connect the dots meaningfully, I think that's a highly valuable skill um, and yeah, and know, it's likely to become even more so in the future. And what's interesting about working with the future is that you have to be a generalist because you can't just know, you know, about AI, for example, and just go really deep on AI. You need to know about AI, but you need to know about robotics. You need to know about um, disruptive emerging technologies like augmented reality and virtual reality. You know, you need to know about um, human psychology and how people will respond and react to these, um, you know, robotic intelligence and artificial intelligence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think, I think to be a good futurist, you generally have to be able to be comfortable across different different fields, but obviously you can't be an expert in, in all of them. So, so it's really interesting. Finally, from someone who's tapped, like so many of our guests, into his own unique combination of skills, talents, background, and experience, Ari's created a new career, a new company, and new work that hasn't existed before. Here's his view on how to invent, reinvent, and develop an interesting, unconventional career that draws on your own unique fingerprint. You know, convention is fine if you're happy and fulfilled, but if you're willing to take risks and try um, something different at the risk of failing or at the risk of you know, getting a little battered and bruised. Um, I think it's worth it because ultimately you're going to end up in a better place and you're going to learn things about yourself and the world that you didn't know before. Um, now, it doesn't always end up that way. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, there are risks that are, that are stupid and, and there are outcomes that, that, are, that are quite harmful. But um, generally, I've, I've felt and, you know, just living through my own experience that, when I've taken risks and when I've shaken things up and when I've pursued the unconventional path, um, I would say nine out of 10 times. Um, I'm so grateful I did it um, and, and I've learned so much from it. So so my message to your listeners would be, um, if there's something you desperately want to do and you feel it's the right thing for you, but you're afraid of, of taking a risk, um, just do it anyway. You know, you're going to learn a ton and uh, you'll probably end up in a way better place than, than you are now. There's a reason why you have that, that gut, that feeling that you want to do that. Um, so trust it. Um, you know, be smart about managing the downsides. 
but um, but trust it, and it's probably a much better outcome waiting for you. If you'd like to find out more about SciFutures and their work, you can find them at SciFutures.com. If you'd like to comment on this episode, you can reach us at Colonado1 on Twitter. We appreciate all of your present and futuristic thoughts. As a quick note, cross-pollination will be on vacation for the rest of the summer. Join us when we come back in September for conversations with more interesting original guests. As we've been talking about fresh perspectives and innovation in this episode, explore fresh perspectives and practices around workplace wellness with Alberta Blue Cross at the Alberta Wellness Summit in Edmonton on October 10th. Speakers, networking, and more. Get your tickets at thewellnesssummit.ca. If you enjoyed this episode about science fiction and stories, check out our fellow member Makeshift Stories on the Alberta Podcast Network, a bi-weekly journey into the improbable speculative fiction, sci-fi, and fantasy stories for all ages. That was pretty interesting, huh? Thanks for listening. Thanks to Zapspot.com for sound effects. (laughs) 